Welcome to Upbringing, where Hannah and Kelty, twins, mothers, and works in progress. Upbringing is a movement that empowers parents to grow up alongside their kids for sanity and social change. Through this podcast, speaking and coaching, we focus on our personal work as parents, the awareness, intention, and approach needed to raise amazing humans while we also get some shit done. Join us to radically redefine kids' resistance as an opportunity to nurture skills and values like consent, nonviolent communication, emotional intelligence, body positivity, and respect. We attempt this by practicing powers beyond control, evidence-based tools that protect our kids' personal freedoms, support their skill building, and better align with how we roll as people. To us, this is the practice of parenting, when we can choose trust over fear, connection over control, and progress over perfection. We're not just raising our kids, we're raising ourselves. Let's show up and grow up. After this brief intro, you'll hear the audio from our latest live Instagram Q&A. Our live sessions are so much fun. We basically Mm -hmm. show up and connect, commiserate, and build skills alongside our upbringing community. Folks write in ahead of time or chime in with questions and struggles around kids' big feelings and challenging behaviors. We typically explore five to 15 questions and offer our take, our instincts, our goals, helpful phrasing, and ways to parent with alignment and integrity using our resist approach. Thank you for being here and for supporting us. And if you'd like to give your family and upbringing some extra support, please visit our website at upbringing.co to learn about our upcoming membership community, as well as our shop, which is now full of informative guides and inspiring prints based on everything we've shared here on the podcast these past two years. Wow. Two years. (laughs) Thanks for growing up alongside us one conversation at a time. Here we go. Hey everyone, Hello. I'm Hannah, this is Kelty, we're upbringing, we're live at six, we can't say five-ish tonight, <laughs> um, here to talk about uh, the hard stuff, why it's the good stuff, we're here to help all of us progressive parents elevate our discipline for sanity and social change, right? Yeah, we're talking this week especially about our kids' big feelings, how they might lead to our big feelings as parents. We've talked a lot in the last couple of weeks too about triggers, our friend Jen from your Parenting Mojo's big like workshop about taming <clears throat> triggers. We're all needing a little bit of practice. This is um, a responsibility as cis, straight, able-bodied white women to be dismantling a lot of these social constructs, these expectations around what it means to be a parent um, to a child, about um, our privilege in the parent-child relationship, right? It's these patterns yeah, I think when it comes to discipline, right? That's the hard stuff we want to talk about. Um, so big feelings. Tell mm-hmm. us about those. I think oftentimes we're also like, oh, that's a, a challenging behavior, like whining. Oh, or that's not throwing feeling. something. And it's like, no, actually, there's a feeling underneath Lying, it. So. That's just a behavior we have <laughs> right. to nix immediately. Right. But right. feelings are really at the heart of all of these struggles with our kids. Yeah. Their feelings, our feelings. And underneath the feelings, there's even more. There's They're, a need needs maybe more than one going on and but it's hard it's really tricky because we as parents have been conditioned to look at the behaviors that our kids um, are showing us or to focus on our own behaviors and I think it's all helpful it's all information to say what are they doing what are we doing what's happening but I think deeper going more levels below really trying to get conscious of what's happening 
What's the root cause of their situation? That's where the growth lies. That's where the opportunity is. That's mm-hmm. how change is actually made is if we actually can understand what our kids are needing, if we can understand what we're needing. And if we can Mm self-regulate enough to co-regulate with our kids when they're having those big emotions, it's so easy to be like, just stop or I'm going to fix it or this can't happen or what's your problem or what's going on. And instead, research says, lean in, go to that need, connect instead of correct or control, right? Right. We've been given this this big toolboxes, parents, they're... You know, the world is like, congratulations, here's your toolbox. Control. Consequences on Go my terms it. now. <laughs> Threats, rewards, overpower, lectures, shame, blame, spanking, timeouts. That's our toolbox when our kids challenge us. Mm-hmm. When they are whining, lying, saying mean words, misbehaving, when they're destructive and messy, that's especially triggering for me. Uh, what else? All the things. Anything that drives you the most bonkers Mm -hmm. we have that toolbox and we're trying to say i see that toolbox i'm gonna set it aside it's there i see you it's right there at the tip of my tongue at the tip of my hand that's Mm -hmm. cool instead we're gonna use something else we like to use the resist approach so when our kids resist us that's our ding ding that's not our uh uh eye roll (laughs) it's our ooh. We get to build some skills. Our kids (laughs) get to build some skills let's do this right they resist us and we get to resist our cultural conditioning that says dominate those below you perpetuate these cycles that you don't believe in, Mm -hmm. in your fierce grown up adult activist self, but that you might unconsciously be perpetuating through your discipline, through, um, Mm -hmm. these conflict ridden moments with your kid. So we respect, we empathize, we sync up, we innovate, we summarize, and we trust. We have this loose six step model, which is basically a respectful conversation with our kid in these tough moments, instead of pulling the, the power card, the mom card, card, the Mm -hmm. whatever it is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's where we're at. That's what we're talking about. We've had a lot of big feelings ourselves today and this week. We've had a lot of big feelings, issues. I don't want to say an issue. Like it's a bad thing. Um, incidents with our kids. I think this week, uh, we had, we heard from someone through someone else, Uh, a common question and we'll get to your questions in just a second. So let us know what's going on with the big feelings, with the challenging behaviors, with your big feelings, about your kids, challenging behaviors. That's what we want to talk about tonight. But we also want to come up really quick. Go ahead. Say that we have a guide, a sale on our big feelings guide. It's digital, but you can print it out like this. It's 30 pages of everything that basically helps us not turn into a child when our children are challenging us. Mm -hmm. Um, that helps us build skills alongside them in those tough moments. Yeah. Yeah. That's help helps us kind of like recenter and not add to the, the negative energy, um, and come out feeling a little bit better on the other side. Yeah. I'm going to save my little bit for the end of this live, but that is about, uh, the questions, the doubts we have about this type of work <clears throat> and engaging in this type of work. I would love to talk about that at the end. I want to get to people's questions. What about the sticker? Um, there, there are a couple, uh, I don't know. Let's check. Oh my Ooh. gosh. I've got some. Oh, those are from earlier oh gosh. today. Okay. That's cool. Those are uh, trigger questions, mm-hmm. different things. Okay. So someone writes, uh, after almost a year 
of mostly social distancing, my highly sensitive daughter, almost 10, has a hard time playing with other kids. How can I help her re-socialize with other kids? Yes. Such a great question. Yeah. What a stressor uh, for, for your daughter, for you, yeah. um, re-acclimating. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's kind of twofold. One is getting out there and practicing. And two is connecting with her outside the moment about mm-hmm. how it went. Mm-hmm. Like those are the two things that in the I moment processing out of yeah. the moment processing with yeah. you. Yeah. I have struggled socially after mm-hmm. this one year hiatus uh, to not just be talking to myself on these lives or with Kelty or yeah. with my family. But when I have a real conversation with someone else, I'm just like, who's talking next? What's going to happen? <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, did I just say that? Oh. What's going on? Like, why am I still talking about this? I'm saying in my mind, like, uh-huh. oh my God. And like that, your daughter's probably going through those things too. And like, that's yeah. our job is to normalize these experiences that are so human that we as adults are going through, yeah. right? And to create security around it. Yeah. And I think that we can't help our kids socialize. We can't help them re-socialize except providing an opportunity and then being that safe landing place for them to debrief, connect, let it all out. Think about how it went. Think about how they might want to do it differently. Not in terms of like a girl back, like, okay, so I noticed when you send that thing and then she ran away screaming and like that didn't go well, or next time you're not going to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. But not focusing on the behavior, focusing on the need. What's going on for you then? What's Mm. going on? It can be so stressful for me meeting with friends and relatives and people that we haven't seen for a long time. This is so new, Mm -hmm. even though it's not new. I think it's so great that you recognize that she's sensitive Mm -hmm. um, and not as, as in like, Oh, well she's sensitive. So that's why whatever, but sensitive as in I'm called to notice this, to work on this with her, to support her through this. I think also like she's having a hard time playing with other kids. I would add right now, I would always add that flexible thinking Mm -hmm. and that kind of temporal, like she's having trouble right now, or you're struggling if you're talking to her today or it's tricky being or it's with hard people lately lately or yeah. because of whatever and i think re-socializing is again just support and creating security through that like just what we would do with one another being like we're going to check out that mm-hmm. th- those friends we're doing this thing oh i think it's about gonna it, like, be okay imagine going to a party with your partner or your best friend and you go there and we're you're introverts like, i haven't so been out hard. for a while <laughs> yeah. and then you come home and you're like did I say that? Did I do that? Like, oh my God, did that go bad? What did they say about this? For your daughter, maybe that's just happening inside. And you want to be that amazing wing woman who's just Mm -hmm. like, that was fun. How'd that go for you? So hard getting back in there, right? I I hear you. I see that. Oh yeah. The only way your daughter's going to get back in there is if she feels safe doing it. So that's Mm -hmm. the, the feeling we're creating. The learning that we're supporting is not what not to do. It's what to continue to do, to learn and feel comfortable enough to. Yeah. Just creating that, that positive association, that safe space Yeah, to to mess up, be yourself and reacclimate on her own terms. Yeah. Someone says, well, my four-year-old daughter is being so aggressive at home and school. She's middle child and older bro is autistic. Mm-hmm. I'm exhausted. She needs me. But all this bad behavior is making me feel insane. Oh, we get it. We get it. It's really hard to see our kids' behavior as anything but bad, right? When it mm-hmm. impedes our supporting um, another child, a baby, ourselves, our work, all of these other things. But we have to keep remembering that behavior is not... Oops. Oops. Mm-hmm. Behavior is not inherently good or bad. It truly just is. It's information. Our kids' behavior is actually beautiful because it's an adaptive response that they've created in their bodies with the skills they have and the little brains they've been building 
to succeed in their environment by finding security in it. That's what all of our kids' behaviors are, is basically a survival instinct. So we have to keep remembering that when our kids are doing stuff, they're throwing things, they're hitting people, they're tearing things up, they're making messes, they're whining, they're loud. That is their body saying, survive. That is their body saying, do what you need to do in this moment with everything you've got to feel safe. But it's so hard because for us as the parent, we're like, this is anti-survive. Yeah. This is a threat to my <laughs> to survival yeah. as a parent who's yeah. trying to see to everyone's needs, mm. keep everyone safe, do all yeah. my responsible parent things and not l- fucking lose my shit and explode on everyone. Right. It's so our, our <laughs> kids' survival mechanisms run counter to mm-hmm. our own, right? And that's the, the yeah. catch-22 in well, trying to support them. Hence the whole Tame Your Triggers thing. That's why we're taking Jen's Tame Your Triggers course, which is going to be in our show notes down below. And link in our bio. Um, and it's link in our bio still where it's like that aggressiveness. Uh, my daughter, who is seven, has had bouts of aggression to explain basically her stress. It's aggression is my daughter's stress behavior. Other kids' stress behavior is whining, clinginess, uh, fear and anxiety, um, like complaining and resisting, eye rolling, <clears throat> that type of thing. But like aggression is really just a stress response that your daughter's showing you, right? Saying, I need help. I'm feeling stressed. I don't know what else to do. I'm expressing myself based on the skills I have. Yeah, but it's I love hard. that you know that she yeah. is needing you and yeah. that's exhausting and we hear yeah. you and we see you and it makes yeah. you feel insane and we get that. Mm-hmm. And I think that the times that you're able and you're feeling good and you're primed and you're self-regulated, you've right. maybe taken like a little preliminary time out yourself when you see something coming or something brewing, Yeah, right? Great. You can dive in there, be that sensitive support staff that she might need saying, how you doing? What's going on? When you want to say, stop doing this. Why are you doing this? No, 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 no. You can say, how are you? What's happening? Like all of us needs, each of us needs that from our partner, from our friend, from when we're wigging out and we're struggling. We don't need someone saying, "Uh, not like this, Uh, uh, not that way. Uh, uh." When you do this, it makes me feel. Mm -hmm. We need someone who says, are you okay? Are you all right? What's happening? Right. Yeah. And then those times that we're not able, like you said, you've got three kids, um, this little four-year-old who's struggling and, and, um, throwing things and hurting people and doing all the things she's right in the middle there. And we can't always be there to support all of our kids. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Those moments that we know that we don't have the right words, quote unquote, right words. Those moments that we know that we're probably going to yell those moments that we do yell. That's okay. Right. And we always have in the trust step of our uh, resist approach, the circle back to say to our four year old, two year old or eight year old or 20 year old, I'm so sorry that that happened earlier when you were struggling, when you were throwing those things and I couldn't support you in the way that you needed. I struggle with that. I was with your brother and I couldn't help you. Or I came in and I just lost it because I was worried about everyone's safety. I'm sorry. Sorry. What can I do next time? And it goes so counter to all of our instincts as parents, which says, don't apologize. You need to be the, the top dog. You You're need perfect. to, you need to Remember? exert your power. <laughs> don't show any weakness. Seriously. They'll capitalize on it. Right. Okay. Um, it goes so against that, but we want to be modeling vulnerability for our kids, both in the moment when we can't control ourselves. Mm-hmm. And after the moment when we say, fuck, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. We want to bring them into this experience of being human. Mm-hmm. We want to humanize being human. If we dehumanize it, 
we're pin, like pitting our child against themselves ultimately for the rest of their lives. And we don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. Right. And it starts with us being human and acknowledging that. Right. And it, it, that's not carte blanche to unleash on our kids or tell them how their behavior makes no. us feel. But it's in those moments when we permission can't. to acknowledge yeah. the moments that we struggled the way they did too. Yeah. And normalize humanity. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I think of aggression, my child's aggression, just as the same as a big feeling. There's a big feeling underneath it. And so I was looking at our guide where, you know, we set that we have 10 okay. steps, our big feelings guide. If you haven't, we were talking about it earlier. It's 20% off in the shop this week. We were talking about how, you know, self-regulation is like our number one strategy and being able to support our kids. Mm-hmm. It's not just seeing their aggression as a need and a feeling deep down, not just a behavior we want to stop, but also mm-hmm. just saying, okay, I can see that now. How can I show up? How can I support myself? Where's the oxygen mask in this situation? So right. we get in there a little yeah. bit. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm wondering with her, with her aggression, are you needing to problem solve? Are you needing to innovate? Or are you just really just needing to hold space and help her? calm down and feel safe and secure. Sometimes that's all that our kids need in the moment. They do not need to be convinced. They do not need to be punished or controlled or manipulated. They just need to feel like they're not alone in their feelings. I think that's a really big moment of clarity. So when our kids are resisting us and having big feelings, it's a really important question to say, does this thing need to happen? Does something have to happen right now? Do we have to get out the door for whatever it is? Maybe we'll start running the resist approach if that's happening. We have or to get in the bath. Does the bath can the bath wait? Yeah. Or we don't have to go somewhere or dinner can wait 20 minutes or she just, you know, hurt her sibling and is having big feelings about how he stole the Lego and whatever. Let's just sit and hold space because we're so like exhausted from all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. When when is there an expectation that needs to be met? And versus not. And when are we able to lean in and support versus just be neutral and downshift, mm-hmm. work our nodding game, work mm-hmm. our like, mm, totally inside. We're like, this is no, like this is terrible. I can't yeah. endure another minute of this. And we're working our outside the face game and saying, okay, I see you mm-hmm. because we know the more we can normalize, the more we can validate, the more we can empathize with our kids during their big feelings, the more we can work to understand that underlying need, mm-hmm. what was going on with them, the more they're going to build their self-awareness, right. the more we're going to feel connected, the more the um, the power struggles will decrease, all the things. And they're going to start noticing their own feelings, that awareness we're mm-hmm. building and our awareness of our kids, they build for themselves Example. and eventually... They can tell us how they're feeling a little bit more. Um, Blair, said, thank you for your vulnerability and your stories today. Always love to know I'm not alone and that you're living through the same hard things you help us all with. Yes, mm. absolutely. And we still have those automatic feelings. You were talking about moving coming up with your daughter, Kel. Yeah, today, I mean, I storied yeah. a bunch today about like just the, the chronic messes in yeah. our in our homes and they just don't go away. They just keep piling up and there's nothing we can do about them. And it's a really helpless feeling. Mm -hmm. Like, why is this happening? Why do these, these things keep piling up? Like who's at fault here? We need to keep zeroing out and no one's doing it except us. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a hard feeling. And it actually felt really lovely being able to share it a little bit through the, through our stories with you all. Mm -hmm. Um, Welcome to everyone new that's dialing in. So good to see all these faces. I'm trying to catch up here. Um, yeah, you want to talk about, we've had yeah, some moving. big feelings around here. We are going to be moving. So we live on a farm outside Portland and 
we're going to be moving farms at some point in this year to a new place for mm-hmm. all of our families, all eight of us. And um, my daughter has been having some big feelings about it the last few days. And I think a big realization that I've had that's not new to me, but that hit me again in this wonderful boomerangy circle back way was the fact that when, when my kids say something that is a weakness to me, like I don't want to move. And I think to myself, I don't want to move either. I'm having these insecurities. If, if their big feelings tap on an insecurity of mine, mm-hmm. it's, they're so much harder to support. Right. So the second my daughter was like, I don't want us to move. I don't want to go to a different house. I don't want to leave our farm. And she has been <clears throat> wanting to and excited about yeah. it. So this is the, but when she said nowhere. that, yeah, I was like, inside, I thought me too. I'm scared about packing, about moving, about leaving the place where both my babies were born, where my favorite first dog died, where Mm -hmm. we've built this beautiful community and this life. And it triggered me in the moment so hard that I almost said, but you know, it's going to be great. Or I was just over there today. You were soothing yourself. Right. Those moments that I, I feel compelled to soothe my kid, fix it, make it go away, evaporate those, those controversial feelings. I'm really trying to do that for myself. I didn't want to sit in that feeling. I wanted to be on the, on the up. I wanted to feel good about moving. I wanted to feel light. I wanted my daughter to be like on board. Um, and it was such an amazing realization to be like, Oh yeah, I'm feeling those things too. And instead of trying to fluff her feelings away because I didn't want to face them myself, that could be a a totally beautiful moment of connection for both of us. And I said to her, like, I'm struggling with that too. I have moments where I don't want to move either. I don't want to leave our home. I don't want to leave our farm. Thank you for sharing that with me. And I said, I want to tell you too. I know that in these coming weeks and months of us moving, we're going to be talking about all the exciting things and all the fun parts of it and the new rooms and the new stuff. But I will always be sad about leaving here. And I always want to talk to you about it. If you want to talk about it, that element is always there. Mm -hmm. And I'm here to listen. If you want to complain or whine or be stressed or feel sad about it. I want to hear that. And she goes, okay, thanks. She just like grabbed my hand like this and (laughs) snuggled me. I think it was like amazing. I mean, our kids call us into awareness. They, all of their things that trigger us, I think Mm -hmm. in our mind, we're like, that's dangerous. Mm -hmm. You just triggered me as in you did something with a loaded weapon. Like the, Mm -hmm. the, the connotation to being triggered by our kids is such a negative one. And I think I've been really working to try and imagine my kid is calling me into awareness mm-hmm. to understand myself, to understand my world, to understand our family and this other person in a mm-hmm. different way. And that sounds like all woo woo and, and silly, but like it really thinking about it in this different way is saying their behavior is is the biggest opportunity for me to feel better. Ultimately, mm-hmm. it sometimes begins with feeling a little more worse or a little a little bit uh insecure or mm-hmm. a little bit concerned, but it always makes me feel better afterward because mm-hmm. they brought me into face that thing, right? Yeah. They brought me into reckon with whatever I was earlier kind of refusing to want to look at or to, to feel. Yeah. I feel like you in know? that way, our kids are this like fierce conscience, this mirror yeah. that we're like, Oh God, I don't want to look at that. <laughs> oh God, I don't want to hear that. Oh, <clears throat> oh, I don't want to deal with that anger. Mm-hmm that I'm seeing that I feel sometimes or that fear that I'm seeing that I definitely can identify with and relate with. I think that's so, I mean, why we're doing Jen's Tame Your Triggers workshop, it's available link in bio um, uh, on Instagram here. But I mean, I think that it's about 
taking, not just taming your triggers, but flipping your triggers mm-hmm. and seeing them as these incredible kind of um, like calling cards and, and like those, that ding, ding, not that mm-hmm. wah, wah type yeah. situation with our kids. Um, Melody, you were saying the self-regulation has been tripping me up lately. We're adjusting to another school change and my nine-year-old has been exploding and my self-regulation hasn't been too swell. Understandable. Yeah. Yeah. That they would be freaking out, that you'd be freaking out about their freaking out. Oh man. Self-regulation is so hard. I was going to say circle back. Keep circling back with them and saying, wow, today was hard. Wow. You had a lot of stress in your body that you had to get out. Wow. I struggled to support you. And that was really hard. I think you met my have needed this and this and I ended up doing this. Tell yeah. me, am I right? Or what did you need? <laughs> yeah. I went for a walk tonight and that helped me a lot. And I think I'm going to be able to show up for you better tomorrow because this is a big transition we're all in. That's a mm-hmm. lot for you. It's a lot for us. Mm-hmm. I get that. Yeah. Right. Someone said, hi, I'm super new to your method. Can you give an example of resist practice? Something I deal with regularly is stomping and eye rolling when my eight-year-old does not want to do something asked of him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. great. I'm going to see if there's any follow-up here. Okay, great. I think that um, the Resist Approach and the Freedoms Model, you can download on our website for free at up to upbringing.co. Um, but I think we love walking through the Resist Approach. Maybe there are a few other examples here mm-hmm. of folks who have written in um, uh, with the situation in particular. But I think I love talking about attitude. I love talking about tone and eye rolling. And I think it comes from one of our freedoms, which is in our freedoms model, which says our kids have the freedom to feel something that conventional parenting tells us right and speak tells us that for some reason we have the freedom to feel and to speak and we're the adults, but our kids, we need to socialize them so that they don't say the wrong thing. They don't feel the wrong thing. They don't do the wrong thing. It's all very externally focused and behavior based. And all of that's understandable. We want to raise kids that uh, can get by in the real world and are not offending people and who are sensitive lovers and great parents and good workers, (laughs) right? But not at the expense of their self-concept. And when we unwittingly control their feelings, control their speaking, control their human experience of the world, right? As a child of that age with those skills, we're undermining, we're telling them they shouldn't feel those things. They shouldn't have those needs ultimately. Mm -hmm. And we don't want to tell our kids that their needs don't matter. That's how we raise codependence. That's how we raise kids in denial who um, use substances um, to cope with their feelings because they don't believe their needs matter, yet they still have the needs inside and don't know how to get them out, right? Mm -hmm. We want to support our kids' needs as early as possible and help them build awareness around them so that they can become aware of them, communicate them, manage them, and ultimately meet other people's needs over time. This is something that's so interesting to me, too, as a parent of two-spirited kids when Mm -hmm. people say... Uh, I deal with something regularly, stomping and eye rolling when my eight-year-old does not want to do something asked of him. So I think what this person's saying is their child still does it. And that is, I'm like, (laughs) what are you complaining about? I'm so sorry. But stomping and eye rolling to me says we're about to go into a moment where I have to use the resist approach because it's never going to fucking happen ever. Mm -hmm. But our, like you said, Hannah, our kids stomping their feet, eye rolling. That's their expression of, it's I have an inner resistance. resistance. Yeah. And we have to say, I honor that impulse. I honor your resistance to this external expectation. Let's key into why you don't want to do that. So you might run the mm-hmm. resist approach anyway, but I've just, I, I'm always at a loss when, the, <clears throat> when people are like, oh no, they still go brush their teeth, but they're mm-hmm. complaining about it. Or, I just don't like, oh being, no, yeah. they just, oh, I hate that little like, 
sound. Mm-hmm. And so I dig in on that. And I'm like, let them make a little ugh sound. They're still going to do it. Our kids have every right to resist us, right? Mm-hmm. They still may need to brush the teeth or go to the doctor mm-hmm. or do whatever it is. Take the trash do, out. Do whatever. But their resistance is an incredibly healthy thing. It, it like If our kids didn't resist us, it would be worrisome, not just to us, but to child development experts, to doctors, to psychologists, right? Mm-hmm. A healthy resistance is a sign of a healthy child. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, conventional wisdom tells us to shut down that resistance as early as possible. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to do that, actually. We do not want to shut down our kids' beautiful, healthy resistance. We always think wanna- about it. Oh, new, think, of, think about it. I'm yeah. sorry, but think no, about think it. Think about it. Right now, it's making your life easier if your kids don't resist you. So we let's want say your eight or nine year old. We want them. <clears throat> you tell obedient. them what to do. This, these are the chores. This is your hygiene practice. This is your homework. Do it right. And if our kids are eight, nine year olds resist us, that's a pain in the butt because we're the bosses, right? So it's making us have to work extra hard to connect with them, to reason, to figure out needs, to do all these things, right? We're kind of like the CEO, right? But what are we conditioning our kids to believe? We're conditioning our kids to believe not just that they should follow orders from an authority figure above them blindly, but that they should do so with no inner resistance whatsoever. That They should do so with no hesitation, right? Curiosity. None of it. Yeah. And we want our kids to go to college. And when someone at a frat party tells them to do something, I want their inner resistance, that inner wisdom and authority, that spark to be strong in them, to not say, oh, well, they're telling me to do it. So I always did everything my mom did, right? They told me to do. So I guess I'll do it, right? Or the counselors saying, you should probably major in this and take this class load. Mm -hmm. We want them to say, uh, I don't know. That sounds like a little much, or that sounds deviating from the plan that I wanted because I know what I want. Mm -hmm. I know what I need, Right. right? And so that's why the resist approach is truly when our kids resist us, we're resisting the cultural conditioning that tells us to shut down that that spark, that inner spirit of inner mm-hmm. wisdom and authority that is going to help our kids get their needs met and ultimately help get other people's needs met over time as well. Be a yeah. functioning member of society. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, when we don't resist the cultural conditioning, when we use that control toolbox that we talked about at the beginning of this uh, live, we're telling them their needs don't matter, that they're in a hierarchy That when they have power, right, they can abuse other people, that they get the choices, that they get to tell people what to do. And it also normalizes that if they stay at the bottom, for whatever reason, in a job or in a relationship, that they, it's normal for them to be told what to do all the time. Do we want our daughters to be told what to do by their partners, right, or by a boss? We Mm -hmm. don't. We want that inner resistance to be their their um, guiding light. Their guiding mm-hmm. light, really. Yes, I love yeah. it. Cal. So those moments that our eight-year-old is rolling eyes, stomping off when they have to go take out the trash yeah. or whatever. That's when we can run the resist approach. Respect that they have. They're their own person. Mm-hmm. They have their own personal lens, their own agenda, their own thoughts, feelings, like being. Right. Sometimes we forget based that. on their brain we're size. Like, just, we're like, just go do their what I say, and then oh yeah, we have to respect them as their right. own human being. Yeah. Then we empathize. Sounds like you don't want to take the trash out tonight. What's going on? I, I saw some eye rolling. What's up? What's up? Sometimes when I take those deep breaths about something, oh, that tells right. me that maybe I don't feel like doing it. Why do you not feel like Why doing not? it? What's do you want to? Are you wanting to go back to play that game you were playing? Are you excited to move towards bath and bed because you wanted to read that book that you were excited about? Mm-hmm. Right? We're trying to connect. Instead of just enforce our agenda first, mm-hmm. we want to connect human to human so our mm-hmm. kids learn how to do that. 
Mm-hmm. And, and to show that connection. That's how have, collaboration happens, right? Yeah. Then we might have to sync up if they're like, no, but ugh, I'm not doing the no. trash. I'm not taking that out, no. right? Which it doesn't even sound like the, in this case they're doing. Mm-hmm. We would say something like, oh, yeah, sometimes I don't want to take it out either. Sometimes like all these house things just feel like so much. I totally get that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My concern is, or here's the thing, yeah. or I was just thinking... <laughs> Tomorrow the trash truck comes super early and mm-hmm. I don't really want to get up at five to take the trash out. And I know you probably don't because you usually sleep till like seven. We've or- created that family agreement we mm-hmm. talked about and where you signed on to take the trash willingly. Hopefully your eight-year-old is signing on willingly to do their tasks, including yeah. their own personal hygiene and their own stuff. Right. right? So here's, here's the thing. What can we do? Mm-hmm. And then we go into innovate. If you don't want to do it now, how about we do it like... 15 minutes, one works for you. What would help you do this? Like, right? What would happen? Like, could I put a song on and we like boombox it out and walk there together to take the trash out? Right? right. This isn't permissive. This Ugh. is innovative. This is teaching our kids skills right. to bypass res- inner resistance around things that need to get done. Mm-hmm. Right? And then we might, if they're like, no, mm-hmm. no trash. And they're like just it. like, la, 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 go into another <laughs> room. We might have to summarize and either say, like, sounds like you didn't want to do that. We got to rejigger this whole family agreement thing. We'll talk to you this weekend. Or if it's something else, we might we have to have hold a limit. For, mm-hmm. I'm so sorry. <clears throat> we might not have time to do all the books and stories. and Or you won't have time to play your video game you do sometimes. I don't know what eight-year-olds do. Mm-hmm. Before bed. Or... <laughs> Whatever it is. Um, So we might have to set a limit and be like, can we get that trash out though? Because I might have to set a limit here. And then we trust that this is an ongoing conversation. This is, um, you know, we're putting the time in now. It's Mm -hmm. playing the long game. We can't be expecting these behaviors immediately. We can't be focusing all on the skills and what's visible. We have to continue thinking about what's beneath Mm -hmm. our kids' needs, our kids' experience, and the deeper value building. That is going to get them wanting to do the things, not just performing in a like perfunctory way. Like, oh, I'm just going to do it because it's not going to happen once they're in college. Yeah. But because like, no, I get what taking the trash out means for our family or I get what Mm -hmm. doing something that I don't feel like doing right now means mm-hmm. in terms of a family investment. And that takes time. It doesn't happen overnight, it right? There's so many great comments here. Um, someone said, I honor your resistance. Oh, my God. Oops. Oh, God. Text me here. Oh, my God. That's beautiful. I'm going to tell that to my inner child. Yes. Yeah. Um, two things. Have either of you read the book, Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents? I'm reading it now, and it's been really good. No, we will We will oh. definitely check that out. Thank you for the recommendation. Sounds great. Got a bunch of hearts here. Someone said, is there an account you recommend for learning more about attachment theory? That's a great question, and we'll get on top of that. Um, And then someone else said, my mind is blowing right now. Someone else said, I try to remind myself that he might be experiencing stress from his forest school that I don't know about. Okay, Betty, um, we're going to get to that. Um, Well, there's one more comment from it. Yeah. Oh, you guys are so good. Thank you. We're here. We're just riffing here. I'm so afraid I won't be able to be that genuine, they said. Someone else said, yay, resist approach. Ah, so much good stuff, said someone else. Makes so much sense when you guys talk about it. And then someone else just recommended that book. Cool. We're going to all check it out. Yeah. Hey, Dream Pool Essays. Good to see you. Okay, what were you talking about, Kel, getting back to? I mean, we have to get right up to, like, I think we have to honor <laughs> what was going on here. Oh, gosh. Here we are. We're, we're backing up. We're backing up. 
Live in Abundance said, I find it so challenging some days to explain things five times every second to be supportive and understanding every single day. Some days I just want to run away. How can I not hurt her on those days? Yes. That is a question. Mm. That's why we're taking the Tame Your Triggers workshop. Link in bio. Mm. Check it out. We're taking it with Jen Lumenlin of Your Parenting Mojo. So, I think it, like 30 members of our community, at least so far, are taking it with us, which is really fun. Yeah. So we can all be in this kind of self-paced um, kind of course together. Yeah. But um, we have to say that we yeah. can't be supportive right. and understanding every single day, every second. No. That's is such a an unreasonable expectation for ourselves and that's okay like Mm -hmm. we're gonna hurt our kids we're gonna be snippy we don't we're gonna try to explain things over and over and i think those are moments when we try to build in that awareness that's what we're gonna work on in the course is saying am i being a broken record am i feeling stress do am i feeling tightness in my body am i wanting to run away do i want to flee the situation Right. right now okay those are moments that i need to be working on my self-regulation i need to take a time out i need to um, ask for some help from mm-hmm. my partner. I need to tell my kids, I'm sorry, I'm struggling to support you. I'll be right back. Mm-hmm. Or we need to dive in. Instead of saying something five times from across the room, we need to say yeah, the first time, Hi, I have to connect with you really b- quick about this thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Less and, talking, and, less explaining, more listening and yeah, connecting. Kids and, don't need explanations to understand. Yeah. They usually just need connection to understand. I can have some explanation in it. Though. Sure. And then the circle back, the days yeah. that we can't be our best selves. That's okay. We're growing. We're showing up and growing up, right? We, we circle back and connect. Someone said tips on disconnecting, feeling like a bad mom when I show up in a less than ideal way. I know logically these aren't connected, but in the moment it feels true and crappy. Yeah. So disconnecting when you kind of pull away and, mm-hmm. and create some... Uh, radical compassion instead of like empathy where you're taking on your kid's situation, right? Yeah. That you feel a little bit guilty about that or you feel like you're not doing as much as you could, right? Yeah. I feel like that's so common, Mm -hmm. especially for parents of sensitive spirited kids, special kids who um, kind of try us in this chronic way. It's not like one cry a day, one cry a week. It's like multiple episodes Mm -hmm. a day. And it can be so hard. We can't always connect that authentically every single time. And that's okay. We have to give ourselves and each other permission Mm -hmm. in those moments to downshift and let our nodding be enough. Let our nearby presence be enough. Mm -hmm. Right? Just downshift. Care for ourselves. That's the best breathing mode. That's a great thing. But I think often when we feel helpless and powerless, Mm -hmm. we go into overdrive mode Mm -hmm. where we say, stop doing this. Fix this. Why are you doing this? Or and not to say control that you're doing this for at all. security. Yeah. I need to control. I go into overdrive instead of into I'm gonna recharge. Mm-hmm. This is where I'm actually gonna mm-hmm. be um, contributing to my my bank of energy and right. my efforts in moving this thing along in a in a positive way. Yeah. Right. Totally. Someone says, My three year old son recently learned how to frown or make a sad face whenever I call him out or when I snap. Whenever I ask him, was that a sad face? Are you sad? It suddenly changes his mood. And I'm wondering, yeah, I mean, our our uh, our discipline, our daily discipline impacts our kids. They experience it before they can even show it. Mm-hmm. I think that's what you're telling us here is it's pretty amazing to realize, oh my gosh, my kid is experiencing me in a way that I may not have intended. 
And now they're just showing it to me. Now I see it on their faces. Wow, that's a lot. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something you and I ask our kids often when we're feeling a little curious, when we're wondering what that impact was, is we don't project necessarily, are you sad? Are you mad? Are you whatever? We just say, how are you doing? Are you all right? I'm here. Mm -hmm. And we also just take that information for ourselves and say, wow, I'm noticing my child is showing me that they're experiencing my discipline or my words or my actions in a particular way. And they don't have to change that. I have to change myself if I want them to feel not sad about something that I said or did. Yeah, I think it, right? it might be like automatically um, feel like a good thing that if mm-hmm. our kid would change their mood because we said, are you mm-hmm. sad? And then they would be mm-hmm. like, no, mm-hmm. I'm fine. Yeah. But I think ultimately... We want our kids to feel sad and that be okay, right? We want our kids to show us a frowny face and us not say, I want you to basically change it. You're okay or what's wrong with you? And they're like, nothing, fine. Mm -hmm. We we instead might want to be focusing less on how they're portraying their face and their expression and their feelings in that moment and think, like you'd said, as opposed to focusing on the impact, maybe think about the way that we were approaching it. Mm-hmm. So maybe like you talked about the way that you called him out on something, mm-hmm. you know, what led to that feeling of frowny face, mm-hmm. right? What led to that? Is there a way that you can connect with him about a behavior, about something that mm-hmm. happened that feels less calling out, that feels something, um, snap, not snapping, not snapping yeah. that, that might make him yeah. feel less shameful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we've been so conditioned to think, got to shame a kid, obviously, for something we don't want them to do. That's how kids learn is we make them feel shameful about a behavior. And research shows that they do not need to feel shameful, that that actually inhibits them learning, understanding, and growing personally Mm -hmm. from whatever happened. So So we want to do less of that. Yeah, to 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 the best we can, we always want to be thinking about connecting through that in a neutral way. Right. So not trying to show we're disappointed, not trying to show we're angry as a tool, but trying to say, hey, neutrally, just noticing this thing. How's it going? I noticed it this. seems so subtle and permissive. It's really but hard. It, it really works. Um, and you'd said he says sad and then he's instantly OK. Is he instantly OK or is he showing you he's instantly OK? So yeah. then the sadness looks like it goes away. Yeah. Our, our I like that you're trying to connect. I, I like that you're yeah. trying to connect with him about mm-hmm. how he's feeling. Yeah. Someone else says, oh, my God, I'm so exhausted with sibling conflict, and I feel like I'm completely failing at helping them regulate or problem solve. My twins are three, and it feels like the boy is constantly hitting, pushing, or taunting the girl. No matter how many times I try to calmly support, I get so overwhelmed and irritated. Yeah. Oh, totally get that. Totally. Three is such a big burgeoning age mm-hmm. of... of uh, kind of like exploration and Mm -hmm. playfulness and um, curiosity around um, dynamics and interactions and how they unfold. And I think that that that's what I would just recommend is to -hmm. to continue leaning in there neutrally if you can, when you can be there physically, when you can be there um, to to support. Like Mm -hmm. that's our ultimate role. We always think, oh my gosh, I have to be the judge, the jury, the referee, the hall monitor, all these things. I don't want to be the police. I don't want to be rushing in on these scenes Mm -hmm. like an emergency responder and having to do this. But I think that in those moments when we're regulated enough to remember that sibling conflict is valuable, Mm -hmm. the kids are never going to be in perfect harmony with each other and we shouldn't expect them to 
forever. Mm-hmm. We're able to lean into those moments as sensitive support staff to keep bodies safe, right? Mm-hmm. And then to say, what were you needing? How were you doing? Sounds like, okay, there was a Lego situation or you wanted that space and she took that space over. Then you hit her. Mm-hmm. How are you doing? Okay, so how are you doing? Do, right? That's the belief we have. Right. It's okay. We want to normalize conflict yeah. as opposed to using our energy and our negativity to quote unquote teach good behavior right. as opposed to focusing on the socialization and forcing those behaviors that our kids aren't ready to to perform based on their lack of impulse control, right. lack, based on their brains. Anytime our kids have conflicts, we want to show up the best mm-hmm. we can in a neutral way so that they can learn and also so that they, they can have these beliefs about conflict that it's something you want to show up for and stay there for and work through. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if they have trauma and stress associated with conflict based on our approach, then they're not going to want to show up for conflict. They're going to run the other way. They're going to blame other people. They're going to feel really shitty about themselves. Mm -hmm. And those are the triggers that we're actually bringing into that conflict. And that's why we want to do this trigger workshop so much because it's, oh my gosh, so much about it is what we're bringing into it. The beliefs we have about our kids' conflict in the first place. That's how we're perpetuating these cycles or not. We're starting something new. That's the idea. But hang in there with those twin three-year-olds, little cherubs, Mm -hmm. bopping each other on the heads. That's how we got to go in there being like, oh, they're going to bop. They're going to bop They're going to so bop hard. so hard. They're doing exactly what I they guess need to I be gotta doing. I got to be closer because I'm, they're showing me. I'm going right? to try to be closer. I'm going to try right. to set them up for success separately mm-hmm. d- different times during the day. It's always around four before dinner when he starts kind of going for right. it. Or it's always right after nap. Maybe I can set up one of them at the at the counter, pretend chopping veggies, and one of them working with the dog, right. feeding him or on Legos or whatever. Right? It requires us to work behind the scenes and to be there a little more on hand as opposed to focusing on our kids and saying, why do you keep doing this? I'd Please like to stop. ask more of you three-year-olds. <laughs> I need right? to put more pressure yeah. on your tiny little half brain, not even a half. Yeah. Fracture brain. Right. It's a right? lot. Our siblings guide talks about this as does our big feelings guide on yeah. the shop. Yeah. Someone said, man, never considered trying to quote unquote fluff the feelings away when it triggers me. Wow. Mind blowing. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Thank you. Someone said, my housemate's four-year-old pees his pants bed floor regularly, and his mom often gets upset. Why did you do that? I want to help both of them navigate it more respectfully with less shame. Mm-hmm. Any ideas? Oh, my gosh. I mean, I think it's the resist <clears throat> approach. It's oh, They say it's especially personal to me because I was a bad a bedwetter, late potty trained kid, and I know how harmful and shameful it can be. Yeah, oh, my gosh. I mean, yes. I think it's so much. It's I mean, it, that that child has a different body. That child has a different experience and a sensory and sensory nervous system experience. Right. And I think that oftentimes it can be from stress. It can be from just the way their body works. It can be from uh, how deeply they sleep. It could be so many different things at play. It could be um, the the idea is that we want to find out and get curious about what our child is needing, not just focusing on the behavior. Why are you doing this? Stop this. Mm -hmm. But again, like we've been talking about this entire live, let's get to the deeper needs. Let's get to the underlying factors. That's where the the amazing potential is. That's where we don't just shut down the situation we don't like, but we actually grow from it. And our child learns about themselves and their bodies and their needs, right? But that's Um, so hard. We get a lot of questions from co-parents and Mm -hmm. 
um, siblings and neighbors and grandparents yeah. saying, how can I get in there and, and help support a more respectful parenting approach when I'm around this? And it's feeling stressful to me when I see a kid struggling to do their best and a parent struggling to do their best with fewer skills. Mm-hmm. What can we do? And I think that the most we can do as sensitive support staff to that parent mm-hmm. and the kid is to continue modeling that that um, unconditional that positive dialogue. regard, that dialogue. Oh, I see you. Oh. You wet your pants. I've done that before. Can oh I tell gosh. you a story? Let's it take happens. you in the bathroom. Happens to everyone, right? I'll clean that up. I'll figure it out. Um, and to the parent, oh my gosh, yes, every kid's body is so different. Mm-hmm. Kids don't always know what's going on with their body, do they? That must be really hard for them and, and scary to feel like they're disappointing yeah. you or causing extra trouble. Yeah. We don't want your child to to feel a lot of shame and guilt, right? What can we do? But it's so hmm. tricky. I think we um, we talk about this in a couple of our podcast episodes around caregiver clashes, just mm-hmm. everything from like little neutral modeling all the way to a more uh, direct discussion and therapy. Yeah. That's something maybe you could bring up is being like, I, I've learned some mm-hmm. stuff through a few Instagram accounts I'm following and through some reparenting work I'm doing myself. And I would love to share it with you if yeah. you're open to it. It could be really helpful right. to you and your kid. And I just, I really like value being part of this. And I want to just share what I've been learning. That's mm-hmm. what I would if say. If it resonates. Yeah. Someone else says, I have no kids, but I feel like I put so much pressure on myself because I feel like being a parent is such an important role. Is that feeling normal? It's a good question. Mm-hmm. I don't know what feeling's normal. Everyone has such different feelings about becoming a parent beforehand, during, after, like, it's, it's, uh, it's beautiful though, that you're thinking about that and feeling, um, not a lot of pressure, but just the level of responsibility and accountability that is there, mm-hmm. which I think is, um, who was talking about the mass conspiracy Kelty of like, we're not, nobody knows mm-hmm. how much work, how much, um, all the invisible effort, stuff, the invisible, yeah. uh, kind of commitment we make to this person, this human that we're raising, um, the life uh, of ours that changes so radically mm-hmm. when you um, raise another person. Um, all of that's really important and it doesn't mean it's bad. It's, it just, it is what it is. And the more we can be having these conversations, I think the better mm-hmm. we can uh, learn from one another and understand that no one family, no one partnership, no one child parent relationship is the same and that everyone experiences these things very differently. But I think that they can help build context for how we might experience it a little bit and help kind of fill the pieces into the puzzle of what being a parent is. And I think that, like you said earlier, Kelty, becoming a parent is this huge opportunity and lesson in reparenting yourself, let alone raising another human that you feel you've done uh, a good job um, in supporting. So it's a lot, but it's kind of amazing. I would never... Never exchange it for anything else, obviously. Yeah. But. Someone said, how to teach self-regulation when I'm terrible at it myself and I'm working through some mental health issues. I'm always so hard on myself with quote unquote normal toddler tantrums. I always think it's my fault. Oh, oh we hear you. Yeah, we do. I think that's the big conundrum we're all facing is mm-hmm. how can I give my child what the skills that I don't even have? Mm-hmm. How can I teach them something that I can't even perform myself? Mm-hmm. How can I calm them down if I can't calm myself down. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the practice. And so often people say, and this is what you were going to bring up a little bit yeah. at closing too, is the resist approach isn't working because I'm not calm or my child won't comply. What? I short circuit in these moments. I yeah. doubt myself. I doubt the process. 
I want to revert to controlling because it's so easy. It comes effective. so much more, mm-hmm. more, eh, it's sometimes it's effective. Sometimes it comes more easily. It doesn't always feel good, mm-hmm. but it, it's right there yeah. at my fingertips, right? Right at the tip of my tongue. And I think in those moments we say, this is the practice, right? It doesn't always get gain compliance from our kids. That's okay. It shouldn't. It doesn't always come all the way through for us. That's okay. We're not going to be a hundred percent every time. We're not supposed to, mm-hmm. right? This whole process of being a parent, um, and in kind of developing our own self-awareness, our own inner compass that maybe we kind of lost touch with in ch- our childhood is the goal, right? Our goal is not obedience and compliance from our kid. Our goal is growth for us and for them together on this journey. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it's going to feel great. Sometimes we're going to high five the whole way. Sometimes we're going to feel like shit and have to apologize. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to feel connection from that too. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be pretty awesome. Yeah. And it it just keeps going. Something we, we hear a lot and experienced ourselves, like in the early stages of this as well, though, where you're realizing it's like the, the glasses are off. There's no more. You've got these new goggles or new glasses and like, you can't unsee what you used to overlook. And it's really hard. You're like, okay, I know what my control approach was before. It came naturally, but it sucked. I I know the research. I know what it is. But this new approach where they're talking about these beliefs and mantras or talking about this phrasing that's so helpful. I just, I don't feel like I can relate to it. I feel like it's so far off. And to the point where if I even try it, I feel like I'm failing at it. It triggers an insecurity in me that I'm not doing it well enough or perfect enough. That is not what upbringing is about. Upbringing is about saying, what can we inspire to be on a daily basis over and over again? Not to get to perfection, but to continue with progress. We say progress over perfection, trust over fear, connection over control. Those are our three kind of mainstay beliefs. And and I think that a lot of folks who find themselves in that feeling of, I'm not doing it right. This is just setting me up to fail this feeling, like these words, these beliefs, right? That is just because you were just hitting that point of realizing that you don't want to do something that you used to do before and you're getting ready and you're really starting to to see it and build it, this new level that you're ready to take as a parent. And that is a hard place to be. We've been there and it's really uncomfortable. And we've worked with a lot of folks who are at that point too, where you're like, oh God, do I go back? Do I go forward? I'm right there in that limbo, like on that line, on that fence. And it's really tough. And we just want to say we see you. Mm -hmm. And it's not a place that you have to turn back. Mm -hmm. It's a place that you can just keep looking forward and working little by little by little. Just sit in that wedgie for a while. We talk about <laughs> yeah. it like you're climbing totally. over the fence. You've got a really bad wedgie <clears throat> between the huge. two worlds. Just sit yeah. in that wedgie. Doesn't feel good. That's okay. So much of upbringing is about sitting in the discomfort yeah. and being like, oh gosh, yeah. I've got these beliefs and ideals and I've got these practices and experiences. Right. <sighs> this is very uncomfortable. And yeah. that's okay too. That coming into awareness of that is yeah. great. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always feel good, though. Oh, everyone's got such it. good stuff in here. We got to keep moving through here. Our goal is growth for us and for them together. Yes. Someone else said, "Ah, oh, thank you. Yes. There's such a gift. Progress over perfection. Yes. Someone said, the best advice I've heard is to make a to-do list and identify your triggers. Yes. Figure I out what that. those things are. That's part of Jen Luminland's, um, your parenting mojo, uh, 
tra- Taming Your Triggers workshop that we're doing mm-hmm. starting this next week. I think it closes Sunday. It starts March 1st. So we have the link in bio. We're um, encouraging everyone to join mm-hmm. in with us to just figure out what those triggers are. How do you transcend them so that mm-hmm. you don't lose your shit in those moments and get tapped out super fast? How do you mm-hmm. widen that kind of window of tolerance of those tricky oh, situations? That moment our kids. kid is like throwing stuff or screaming yeah. mean words and we're about to just like go into it. Mm-hmm. We want to spank them. We want to send them to their room. We want to mm-hmm. yell. You can't do that. We want to shame them and say, I'm so disgusted with you. We want right to run now. away. All yeah. of those moments. How can we open up that window? So instead of reacting right away, we're able to think, where's this coming from? How do I really want to react? What's the best course here? What's it's my not kid an going emergency. through? It's What's happening? Right to yeah. like this course is going to give us that beat. I think mm-hmm. that we all need or a couple beats. Yeah. A lot of us. Mm-hmm. Someone said my circle back seems to morph into a grill back. My six year old mm-hmm. recently drew a thought out picture on the lampshade. <clears throat> How do I draw a clear boundary here without shame or judgment? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Those yeah. moments when our kids mm-hmm. do something totally out of character and out of age group where you're like, why would you draw on the wall? Or mm-hmm. in my case, my kids wall. Um, uh, like chest of drawers they drew on yeah. all these things where you're like, why, how we need to make a limit there, but I'm pretty sure they already know the limit. Mm-hmm. So to me, that means leaning into what they were needing and why they did it and trying to connect through that. So mm-hmm. they won't do it again because I'm not exerting my pressure on them, but connecting to what they were needing or mm-hmm. what their motivation was. And two, Trying to be around a little bit, trying to keep the markers safer, trying to if they're struggling, work on, yeah, work like, on yeah. the environment a little bit. It's kind mm-hmm. of like a twofold thing. Yeah, my son drew with a yellow marker on our white refrigerator, and it's it's permanent. It's yeah. stuck there, and like I didn't know what to do. I'm just like, why the fuck would you do that? That mm-hmm. is so fucking insane. Mm-hmm. Like I got so triggered. Like I I really struggle with damage like uh, to yeah. things, and I think it's from our childhood. Clearly, <laughs> like mm-hmm. something happened there. Um, but uh, but it's like it, it happened. He already did it. He he was like, I remember I was angry. He said something like he remembered and he and I wasn't there. I don't know where I was or what I was doing, but he did it. Or maybe he was experimenting. So uh, rather than putting the limit on the child. Right. If you we can't could have in the moment, those things, they're like, I know. know they know. Like we couldn't be setting the limit in the moment. So we have to be like, OK, what else can happen? I could never let them use markers ever unless I'm present. That doesn't make sense for a five-year-old. Um, I could be around more when my child's struggling and feeling a little wee, you know, mm-hmm. uh, so that I can prevent these kind of errant things from happening. I could circle back about it to build context around what they were going through and, and maybe some other ways they could have been supported by me just, or you know, worked on their own stuff. I could continue to model how important our house is and keeping it clean and protected yeah. and where it's not being like messed with. But those but are four those ways are all to not things- over control our kids. Yeah. Those are all four yeah. things on us as a parent, which feels like a lot, but it, it still really, it, it works. It, it creates positive associations. It creates learning, all mm-hmm. of those things, but it's tricky, right? That immediately I wanted to punish him, yeah. you know, but it's me who l- lets the markers out, who wasn't um, responsibly watching him, right? Mm-hmm. Wasn't supporting him. That's on me, the responsible person, not my child. And that doesn't mean I should punish myself either. Yeah, no shame, no, no punishment blame. for anybody. It's just all learning. That's, that's such a yeah. hard lesson to learn, be like seeing things damaged, especially for me, being like no one's fault because I don't want it to be my fault. And I certainly don't want it to be my kid's fault. I want it to just be. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we'll learn from it. Because when it's someone's fault, you think people will learn better, but they don't yeah. because it's attached to their self-worth. 
and everyone wants to protect their self-worth. So you can't learn when your self-worth is at stake. It's like I either learn that thing or my self-worth is it, you know, yeah, like they're conflicting really tricky. odds. But why do we yeah. think that we have to attach self-worth to a learning experience? Right. Why do we think that for my kid to learn about emptying this plant or crashing this thing down that I love, they have to feel bad about themselves? Why do we think that? It's not true. It's not true. It's the opposite of true. It's the opposite mm-hmm. of helpful. It's the opposite of beneficial to our kids and to ourselves. Right. It's, it's just like this I mean, mass conspiracy. In that situation, I knew in my mind, okay, I don't have permanent markers available to my kids because I know that they may want to use it or try to use it or experiment, and that could be bad. So I'd, I'd taken those away, but still he used a yellow marker. But on the fridge, it's actually permanent. It's he only yellow? He didn't know that. <laughs> yes, you can like barely see it, but it still drives <laughs> me crazy. But he he experimented with it. So I'm like, okay, what am I actually going to do? It's really tricky. I think I have to be there when he's upset. Mm-hmm. I have to take all the markers away. No, yeah. that's crazy. Or you chalk it up to now I know that yeah. I have to be around more. Yeah. Now we've learned a little bit. We've learned, both of yeah. us. Someone said, my older son turns four in two days, and I feel like he's been exhibiting extra big feelings lately around seemingly small things and super controlling with his one-and-a-half-year-old brother. Yeah, sounds like stress. Yeah. Sounds like Someone stress. else said, mind blown right now. Uh, the parent uh, before said, I try to remind myself that he might be experiencing stress from his forest school that I don't know about. I'm also wondering mm-hmm. if this big transition of turning four is also making him feel anxious. Is that a thing? Yeah, I think if we're making yeah. it a big thing, then our kids are experiencing it. I know, uh, so Kelty's kids tend to be more of the spirited variety, mine are of the sensitive variety. Mm-hmm. And, um, and my daughter gets really stressed out, like to the point of aggression, because that's her stress language about her birthday about mm-hmm. birthday parties but my about kids have big said events. no singing we can't sing like, right yeah yeah so they experience that a little bit here and there but like my daughter will like really struggle with something that's happy like christmas you're like it's christmas it's a great time it's a break but from it, school stuff what what's wrong yeah. and that's how i am too they're like oh mm-hmm. you're hosting christmas or bringing a thing and i'm like i'm so angry at my husband right now about whatever because i'm just actually stressed about this event that's coming up it's a lot any kind of emotion can trigger joy, can trigger excitement, it can trigger anxiety, it can trigger anger. All of these things are our stress languages. And I think that's so great that you're thinking about your four-year-old and being like, what's my four-year-old stress language right now? They've got more blow-ups than usual. What's happening? Is it the birthday thing? Is it developmental? Is it what's going on with them? I think feeling curious is, is such a good place to come from. Yeah. Curious and unconditionally loving. Yes. Someone said, sorry if this is too personal of a question. I wondered if you ladies grew up in a very religious circle. I'm not sure I've ever heard your background. I grew up in a very conservative religious Hmm. uh, circle. It's been years of dismantling the Mm -hmm. hurtful things I was taught. Finding you ladies is helping me continue on that journey, and I'm so grateful. Mm, Thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Someone else said, hi, I was raised in such a religious authoritarian home, too. These ladies have done wonders to dismantle that upbringing and encourage parenting that is so much healthier. You're not alone. Oh, that's great. Thanks, Lexi, for adding that. Mm -hmm. No, we grew up in a um, our dad was a a nudist Buddhist and our mom's an art kind of drama lady. Um, And we grew up at the Unitarian Universalist Church downtown. Um, so not in a conservative religious family at all. Um, uh, but that's, that's where we came from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And our parents, um, they were not perfect. They did their best. We love them a lot. They did a great job, you know, lots of, lots of empathy when they could. Yeah. Not, they did, they, they didn't love the anger so much. 
they definitely came from their yeah. own more religious upbringings themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of that was there. Mm-hmm. And we felt that from them a little bit, from the, our grandparents a little bit. It's all mm-hmm. connected for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Someone else says, I find that I believe so strongly in my triggers and all my, uh, and all my people are so married to their own triggers. Wow. This COVID time has made us all therapists. Mm-hmm. So cool. They're, um, they're here for that child. Yes. Yeah. Someone said, what do I do when I try to run the resist approach? And my spirited six-year-old resists that too. Tried mm-hmm. to innovate and she plugs her ears. Yeah. yeah. Oh that means she's not ready to innovate yet. And I- that you're still in the empathize step. You cannot innovate if they are not ready to innovate. They still need more connection and empathy, right? If you're going to support anyone in collaborating or doing anything, they have to have that buy-in. They have to have that calm conviction. They have to have connection, essentially. The resist approach is based in connection. It is the alternative to control. So we have to create connection Mm -hmm. before we innovate and plan and do all that stuff. Someone said, my own biases and upbringing makes me feel this is very manipulative and I'm struggling with how to embrace all these ideas. Mm -hmm. We hear you. Mm -hmm. Throw those those concerns out. Yeah. Someone said, sit in the wedgie. Love it. Mm -hmm. Um, Someone else uh, volunteered for them to check out the resist approach. And they said, because you're speaking a truth that is so obvious that I do not understand how it is just... Uh, not common sense by now. Yeah, yeah, it is, and I think it does in some ways speak to this this heart and this to our own spirits, our own inner wisdom and authority. I think so many folks they say, "I hear what you're talking about," or what other places talk about. And they're like, and I cry because it's like, yes, I've come home. I've figured out that speaks to me in such a strong way. It's mm-hmm. not instinctual. It's not the most automatic thing I would tell mm-hmm. my kids, but it's coming home to myself. Really, and there's a, right? a sense of recognition there. Yeah. You know, like when you meet someone, you're like, yes, this, you, you that. something yes. feels, <laughs> I recognize that, I connect to Even that. Even like watch a movie or you hear a song and you're yeah. like, oh my God, I'm having a visceral response to this for a certain reason. It's because your inner wisdom and authority is speaking. Your spark is getting all lit. Right. Yeah, someone said, thank you so much. Indeed, we are. I'm becoming aware to so many things as an adult that I wish my parents were more yeah. transparent about. Sure. Someone said, yes, probs as de- as healing for me as it's my mm. parenting for my kids. So amazing growing up. Someone said, OK, so many things we should control our safety of body, mind and property. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, Safety of body and property. Mm-hmm. I feel like we would maybe... Someone's every now and then we get a question being like, what are your deal breakers? What are the things you really hold fast to? And we're mm-hmm. like, safety to property. It depends on what the thing is. If it's a toy, we're like, it might break. If you do that, it's, yeah, yeah, it might happen or something broke and That's we like you learn. It, but, right. Okay. It's broken. It's gone. Yeah. Um, but uh, safety to body also. I think we might come in there and and stop bodies and hands if we need yeah, to or create protect some space. ourselves. Yeah. Um, but safety to mind, I don't know. I think mm-hmm. that that can might infringe on people's free speech and free um, like expression. Mm-hmm. It's hard. We have to wrap this up really soon, yeah. everybody. I wish we could keep going. This oh. has gotten so many good conversations where everyone's makes sense. Thank you. Coming home to myself. You liked that. That's great. Uh, let's see. Realizing when you guys talk about resist, I really want the cast of Le Miz to come out singing and waving flags. <laughs> <laughs> Someone else said, yes. Oh, yes. Thank you, ladies. Coming home to myself. Oh, good. I'm so glad that 
Um, that resonates. Oh my gosh. And someone said, any ideas for activities to keep babies occupied so I can give the big kids some attention? Put them in a yes space, right? And Let, a safe enclosed area. Safe enclosed area where they can couple on a scarves, nice mat. Couple Tupperwares. Couple, couple little things. balls. Yeah. Let them do their thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no Let's stress. start building that independent playtime, right? Um, oh, I wish we could... Wish we could get to all of these questions. DM us, and we can uh, we can tackle them next live Q and A on Thursday or in our stories before then. Oh, I love that though. Someone yeah. said my three and a half year old just started saying, "I just wanted to see what would happen when he does one of those WTF things," which is great insight and kind of keeps me in check. But now I feel like he says it to get away with things. Uh-huh. I think sure. that even if he is doing something deliberately and he wanted to see what would happen. That's still trying to see what would happen. That's incredible. Insight. And the question comes to you whether can you let him see what would happen or do you need to be there more often? You can't pre- prevent your child from your three and a half year old from seeing what would happen. That's their mm-hmm. job, right? That's what they need to do. He's you don't want to inhibit job. that seeing what would happen impulse. Mm-hmm. That could be a really, really good and healthy thing for them to cultivate. They just need a little sensitive support. So you got to be there a little bit more. That's that tricky age where you're like, God damn it. You could dress yourself. Mm-hmm. You can feed yourself. But you also can do some really crazy shit with my plants or my jewelry or yeah, my whatever. markers. Oh, or I got to be around a little more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, all thank right. you all for being here. And gotta go do bedtime they're knocking it means so much um we feel so much better every time we can come to a live and connect with you all mm-hmm. um just one last shout out to uh jen of your parenting mojo check our link of our instagram bio or these show notes links to get in for that taming your triggers mm-hmm. workshop that we're going to be taking this is the last week we can sign up for it yeah we're really excited to do a little bit of reparenting, to do a little bit of space building mm-hmm. in our responding versus reacting time so we can look at our kids' behaviors and be a little bit more of a cool cucumber we all want to be, mm-hmm. right? Okay, Caballero, um, DM us. We didn't have time to talk to your, to your um, situation tonight. I'm sorry. And then last shout out, too, yeah. for our big feelings guide, which is 20% off this week in the shop, yeah. where we go through 10 steps just ways to make everything easier around these big feelings to build emotional intelligence skills around repair conflict resolution nonviolent communication all the things that we were maybe a little bit lacking when we started parenting that that we can be buffing up a bit and Mm -hmm. teaching our kids uh so that they'll be doing it so they're going to be taking that off our job description right (sighs) (laughs) we have to self-regulate a little to co-regulate and they'll then they'll correct or self-regulate themselves. It's they'll an like, investment. I'm taking some deep breaths. Right. Or who I was needing this and now I'm gonna Our do kids this. Kids don't instead. learn that on their own. They actually have to learn it with us. We Ugh. actually have to do it for them, with them, for them to do it themselves. I keep hitting the mic up. That was one of the harshest realizations where I was like, Can't we just send our kids and be like, You need to chill. You need to be cool, just calm down. Go to that corner I when made has, for you with the cute when pillows. Has somebody saying <laughs> Calm down to you ever work. Never. Never in a million Makes years will it ever work. Less calm yeah. down, personally. Amy, you said, just wanted to say it's so easy to feel defeated at the end of the day. And listening to you ladies is such a boost. Feels like a little boost to keep going and reassurance we're on the best path. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Thanks for being here. Someone else said, thank you, Salamat. Someone else said, thanks so much, ladies. So fun hanging out together. Mm-hmm. Amy or Melody, you said, I totally agree. Had a rough day today, but this is a great way to end it. Lexi, thank you. Dan, thank you. 
Thank you so much, ladies. This is a delight. Same. Blair, thank you for your time and wisdom. Grateful. We're grateful for you. We're all here. We're showing up and growing up together. This is the hard stuff. We're figuring out how it's the good stuff. We Mm -hmm. really are growing through it. We're like, we're not just like, oh, trying to make the bad Mm -hmm. things better. We're actually investing the time Mm -hmm. now while our kids are young, right? In in our relationship, in our skills. Mm -hmm. All of this pays off later. Truly, the research supports it, not just in our relationship and the way we communicate through conflict, but it sets our kid on a path of self-awareness, of skills that they can use in any of their other relationships. We are that that blueprint of a relationship that we're building with our child right now in these tricky moments. It's going to be their partner, their neighbor, their professor, their first boyfriend or girlfriend, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're, uh, they're everything. That is what we're shaping right now in our relationship with our kids. And it's not like, oh, so much pressure. It's, oh, so much opportunity that we get to practice over and over again. And we get to just like do a lot of the stuff that we don't want to do. I don't want to threaten. It doesn't feel good to yell or manipulate or any of those things. We don't have to do any of that. Whenever we feel like screaming or offering up a, um, a consequence or a reward, let's just take a deep breath and say, what do you need? What can we do? How can we figure this out? And see what happens. Yeah. Let's break that Surprises cycle. Surprises us a lot. Let's do it. Yeah. We can do it. We believe in you. You've got this. Not every time. None of us can do it every time. That's yeah. okay. That's not what we're supposed to do. We're just showing up every day as best we can. And we know you are too. So hopefully, hopefully you feel proud of yourself. Yeah. Hopefully um, you have a wonderful week. We'll be back. I don't even know what day it is. It's Tuesday. We'll be back maybe Thursday. We'll be back Thursday, yeah. Okay. Good night, everyone. Bye, everyone.